Okay, we are back in. Back. Yes! This is a very special and important week here at Screen Heat Miami. The Miami Film Festival is coming. Oh, yes. The Ides of March. The sun. Beware the Ides of March. Biggest film event of the year for Florida. Miami Film Festival. And this Sabado Gigante. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> March 7th. Uh, our special guest this week is filmmaker extraordinaire J.R. Poli, uh, who'll be talking about his feature film, which will be making its world premiere at the Miami Film Festival, Marcus. Full disclosure, producer of the film is right across from me, J.L. Martinez. Yes. And I'm Kevin Sharpley. I cannot deny. Yes. Uh, and this is the one and only Screen Heat Miami. Sponsors. Kajik Multimedia. Cinevision. My Medium Film Market. And Kamakul. So, yes, Marcus is premiering. Yeah, we're excited. It's right now. It's coming. Tickets are still on sale, by the way. MiamiFilmFestival.com. Scoop them up. And while you're there, check out some of the other amazing lineup that they have going on, because there are a lot of good films this year. T. T. Just one at Berlinale. The Berlin Film Festival. Yes, that would be part of the shorts program, uh, directed by T. Keisha Ray Witherspoon. Yes. And produced by Farron Humes, uh, among a few others, who was also at the Miami Film Festival Jason last Fitzroy, year. Fitzroy, Jeffers, oh, Robert yeah. Cullum. Great team. Part of the Third Horizon Film Festival. Yes, Third Horizon Collective. Oh, it's a collective, yes. Mm-hmm. You're right, it is a collective. Some collectives here. Yes, Farham Humes actually did well in Berlin last year herself. They also picked up a, a, a prize at Berlin mm-hmm. for Liberty. Man. Which is now in production for a feature as well. Miami is representing. Oh, we blowing up. Representing over there in the cold. Oh, yeah. February is not the friendliest time to be in northern or middle Europe, my friends. It's not. It's chilly. So T is going to be at the Miami Film Festival along with Mucho, Mucho Amor. Oh, yes. We have our interview with Kareem Tapsh coming up. Yes. And you can check out our interview with Jay LaPlante the executive director of the Miami Film Festival. I think he is interview number 24. That's right. So a lot of representation. Congratulations to all the filmmakers. I also have a conversation with Gregory Allen Howard. Yes. Who is the writer of Remember the Titans, also writer on Harriet Cynthia Rivo, who was nominated for two Oscars for that film. Mm. He also served as producer for that film. He did. So... I'll be having a conversation and a masterclass. So we're going to talk about his long story career. He wrote Remember the Titans right. with Denzel Washington. So yep. just imagine that book ended from Remember the Titans to Harriet and everything in between. Yeah, he worked on Ali, a bunch of cool stuff. Oh, so many things. When and When is your class? That would be September, September? 14th at um, September. Beware <laughs> would the be, Ides of March. <laughs> that would be exactly March. <laughs> Perfect. That would be March 14th, 3 o'clock, Silver Spot Cinema. And he will also be giving part of his storied masterclass. Mm-hmm. So he will be giving techniques. Ooh. So you do not want to miss that. The aspiring screenwriter needs to be there. Yes. All right. So moving on, I did want to. And this is something that I think needs more conversation, actually. Hmm. And we need to have more education about this. The coronavirus. Oh, yeah. It's affecting everything. 
Certainly, it's affecting our industry. <sighs> They're saying a $7 billion, that's with a B, mm-hmm. affect in China alone. Wow. So. Wow. Yes. So get yourself tested if you think that yeah. there is even a possibility. I know that it is more of a challenge finding out how to get tested and where to get tested and right. you know that that that's something in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But another big way mm-hmm. that coronavirus is affecting the industry is a lot of the Disney locations are being shut down. Yeah, Shanghai, Hong Kong, I believe Japan was shut down for a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mulan's about to come out, I think, worldwide. That's going to affect yeah. the, the numbers. And uh, so then pro- probably not too much of a surprise that recently Robert Iger, the CEO of Disney, decided to step down as well to focus more on what he said was the uh, <coughs> executive chairman of Creative Endeavors. And he is. Uh, what do you call that title? What What's the acronym for that? It's called I've been there, I've done that, I made my money, and now I'm gonna do what I want <laughs> I'm to do. Chill. I'm gonna just. Yeah. So he's happy. Uh, the replacement is a gentleman named Bob Chapik, who's been with the company for many years, uh, and he is currently, or was formerly, the head of the theme park division. Will now be the CEO of Disney. Wow, now that's something. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to bring back another one of my favorite shows, Secession. Ah, yeah. And in that show, the theme park division Hmm. is considered the bald-headed stepchild. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. I guess that is not the case. No, in not Disney. In, not in real life. Yeah, and according to New York Times, they have said that their theme park division is the most sturdy and dependable and profitable of their sectors, and has been for many years. Uh, so a big reason why theme parks, I think, have expanded in the Disney universe is primarily because they need that business to fund their content stuff. Help fund. Help fund. Eleven billion dollars they did last year. That's right. <laughs> I don't think they're having any problems in that department. That's a chunk of change. Big chunk of yeah. change. They, yeah. they did a lot of acquisitions, so they got to pay for that stuff too. Right. But one thing that we do know is kids gonna be kids, mm. and they're gonna go Disney. So it's a brand. It's a franchise. Family friendly. Yes. So there's always something to look out for there. So, but yeah, a lot of big shakeups in the executive world recently. Yeah. The president of DC Comics out. Dan Didio. Yep. Publisher is no longer publisher. He is gone from the company. And they say whatever happened, happened fast. It is something. So you think it was maybe some fallout from Birds of Prey? It could be. Uh, They changed that film mid-title. Yeah. Mid-opening, the title. Harley Quinn. Which I think it should have been in the first place. Of course. I'm saying, why are you not going to call Joker Joker? (laughs) (laughs) That is crazy. Cray cray. But, you know, you never know. Marketing schemes, sometimes they try to get a little too cute with the titles. You can't get too cute. You got to go straight for the jugular. Can't go full retail. You don't have a lot of time to get people's attention. You got to put that brand out there if you have one. Straight. Front and center. 
You got one hour. Yeah. <laughs> You're lucky. It's like the new cycle. There is no new cycle anymore. Oh, no, 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 it's no. It's a unicycle. No, no, no. yes. <laughs> Everyone's got to be on point, on dime, on hashtag. One chance. One chance. Do not miss your chance to blow, yeah. as Eminem said. Yeah. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. You better lose yourself in the music the moment you own it. And when a note is blowing up, still bad boys for 400 million and still going. Wow, that's a hundred million a bad boy. Man, I'm, I'm happy to see it. <laughs> Me too. I'm excited. The Miami brand is front and center. Once again, big blockbuster tentpole movie for Sony doing very well. Obviously opening the door for a potential part five. I think for sure there's uh, going to be a part five. Oh, yeah. If you saw the end of part four. You know. Yes. What's yes. going to go down. This is set up. Set oh, it yeah. from the start. So, well, I'm excited. There's so much going on in Miami this weekend. Again, we're very excited to bring you our interview. So, what do you say we jump into it? Straight in, Mr. J.R. Poli. But let's drop his full name. Ah, yes. His government name Jesus Ramon Poli from the city of Hialeah. <laughs> there you go. And you will hear it again in this interview. Big ups, Mr. Poli. And a great interview is going to drop now. So here we're here with J.R. Poli, who is the director, filmmaker, and the creative savant behind Marcus. Yeah. What's up, Jr.? What's up, man? It's uh, finally good to be in this room. I know. You're in a good spot, too. Finally, have already been in the room. Well, I've been in the room plenty of times, but I've never been in front of the mic in the room. What was that? You said you thought it was bigger. I did. I did on, on, on Facebook and stuff. Every time I see the pictures and stuff, I'm like, man, this guy's got We're a... We're all filmmakers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's We're masters of illusion. <laughs> I mean, the room is not... No, it's not box. tiny. Let, yeah, let, let's, let's get that straight. It's not tiny, but it definitely looks way deeper, you know? Right. I think last time I was here, I was trying to do an interview in here and shoot something so I needed more space and that's yeah, the only had, reason you had about 20 people in here yeah right? and one of them was the big show which <laughs> yeah you had, you had a physical, 20 people <laughs> yes you had a physical asset that was quite uh impressive yeah yeah but uh but yeah we're excited to have you uh so we're gonna obviously talk about your your feature Marcus but obviously as we do in Screen Heat Miami we need to go a few steps back yep where are you from originally JR born and raised in Hialeah never never have not actually moved out of this area I mean only the furthest I've moved out is to Broward, which is where I'm at now. But um, yeah, born and raised in Hialeah, Hialeah Hospital. Uh, I've had all my family pretty much born at Hialeah Hospital or died at Hialeah Hospital. So hmm. I can't, I, I'm, I'm as local as it gets. The police mean. are bookended at Hialeah Hospital. Well, yeah, pretty much, pretty <laughs> much. And then we go back and film at Hialeah Hospital. It's that's just right. all, you know, Did you, you full circle. That's the hospital you filmed at? Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Two yeah. days at Hialeah Hospital. Yeah. yeah. You guys know everybody. So. I think, I think uh, three quarters of the film is filmed at Hialeah Hospital. In, in Hialeah somewhere. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. We have many. Uh, Nachon Lumber, that was Hialeah. Dave's Car Care was Hialeah. Uh, yeah. What else was Hialeah? Well, La Boleida was Hialeah, and obviously all the Hialeah Park stuff. Are they all coming yeah. out to the premiere? Yeah, I, hope so. I hope so. They're coming in Balsas, Cuban Balsas. Yeah. We're going to have to shoot them. Yeah. Show it at their, their spots. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Imagine. That, that's been talked about, you know? Oh, not, okay. not at their spots, but somewhere neutral like a Hialeah right. Park. You know, yeah, possibly. Hialeah Park. Yeah, there yeah. should be a Hialeah Park uh, screening, yeah. I, I would think. Yeah, that's in the works. Okay. Yeah, we got a couple ideas for the Hialeah Park Studios camp. Yeah, make so, that happen. Yeah. That's, oh, that's happening. That's okay. all happening. We're, we're, we're hot. Let's make this film I'm excited about 
I finally got to see it. Tearjerker. Yeah. It's emotional. It's emotional. Yeah. Strong. Yeah. And, you know, I really loved... I went to acting class with Owen. So that was really, really cool to see Owen and see his performance, right. which was brilliant. I mean, he's the centerpiece of this oh, whole yeah. thing. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Owen... Um, well, Owen and I go back to film school. Well, most... Okay, so most of the crew on this I met at film school and graduated with at Miami-Dade, um, which, again, more local, <laughs> uh, being the fact that this is... The festival is presented right. by, you know, Miami-Dade. North Campus, um, to be specific. North Campus, correct. Um, so Owen came in in 2001 or two uh, to audition for one of my short... My student shorts. Um, and since then, I've basically written something for him in everything I've done. Um, almost everything. And when I came up with this idea and started writing for the short, um, the idea was get the best possible actor. And Owen, to me, was the best actor I knew. I felt comfortable with Owen. I knew he was comfortable with me when it came to direction. I knew we, there was no no secrets between the two of us, meaning I could I could push him as far as I can, knowing he won't get upset. I know his, his technique. I know how much time he needs to prepare. I knew everything. So I felt this was the perfect match, and this is the reason why I went with Owen. Um, as far as him getting into this role... Uh, he has a lot of history when it comes to to mental illness. Um, I don't want to speak for him, but I know he's dealt with a lot himself. And there were plenty of times where I mean, who hasn't dealt with mental it, illness? Yeah, on one correct. Level yeah, or the other, right? Um, well, I know his 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 struggles with it were life changing. Um, he actually became an actor to to as a therapeutic way to get around his his depression and his mental illness. That was a suggestion uh, by his brother, his older brother, who's also an actor in this film as well. Um, but he he basically you know just got into it that way, and it was crazy to see him when in his top emotional moments kind of separate himself, and and you can see him going through older photos and going through some of his stuff, personal stuff, to get himself in that zone and it hurt it hurt me it hurt him to get into that character it hurt me watching him dive into a mode you know a a part of his history that he doesn't he does not want to go back to and he did for the film which i think made it even more powerful and more real well i can tell you our our acting coach our acting teacher uh this guy Stuart solomon yes Who's also the acting coach for you know Gloria Estefan? Mm-hmm. This goes on and on of, of people. Um, I, I can tell you about you know some of our classes together, which is you know that's ultimately what you want to do is tap into, and that's what makes you know acting more of a challenge than anything. You're tapping into these emotions in order to exhibit them on the screen for people to connect with those right. and people know if it's real or not and what we always talk about is honesty yeah. you know I think that that's one of the most important things about acting is this honesty the, the truth and making decisions yeah. you have to make a decision it's not going to be wrong if you make a strong choice and that's what I really loved about Owen's performance which is he made strong choices. Mm, he yeah. stayed true to that character. And in order for him to exhibit and in order for him to give that honest performance, I know what he had to tap into to do that. Yeah, and certainly he's he's doing that. And, and as a director, I'm sure, you know, it, it, it had to be challenging to tether that. 
Yeah, um, he's he definitely. Most actors say the same. You know, would would appreciate what he went through definitely. But as a director, I got to tell you, I mean, it's there were times where he he gave me a little too much because I wanted it more. You know, like this is a little too obvious at this point in the movie. Uh, but there were times. There weren't many times where I said, "Give me more." Because when you unleashed him, he was out. And and he would give you the tears and he would give you the emotion. And there wasn't many times where... In fact, there were twice during filming where when I yelled cut, I walked up to him. And I, a lot of things are personal between me and the actors. I don't technically say things for everyone to hear. I go right up to him. We whisper about it. And I told him, I said, listen, when I wrote that scene, I, you, every director, every writer has a vision in their mind. Not often does what we get surpass that vision and there were two moments in that film when we were shooting that i walked home and said you completely made this better than what i actually imagined when i was writing and that's what i was saying about tethering the performance too you know yeah of course when you're tapping into these emotions you know there is a chance to go too far you know that and that's the director's job is Mm -hmm. to you know put the actor in the place that they need to be you know and definitely Marcus does that. You know, it's a, it's an incredible balance. Not just with Owen's performance, Marcus is the central performance and it's the title character. But there are a lot of brilliant performances in there. The big show, you know, you see him, you know, in wrestling. You see him in the WWE. He's definitely an over-the-top personality. Mm-hmm. He's an over-the-top guy. I don't know how tall yeah. he is, seven four or something. He's I don't know. he's he's built at <laughs> he's seven, like yeah, seven. He's seven foot guy, you know, three eighty. I don't, you know, big guy. Yeah. But in order to make a performance from him, small. Yeah. Definitely, there's a range, you know, and there's times in there where he where he has to go in it, but it's nuanced. It's slight at times. Definitely, when it calls for that intensity, yeah. we know that the we know we can bring that. Right. But to to bring him down, you know, that's also an incredible feat. And in, in yeah, unto itself. I gotta tell you, he so, he impressed me so badly. Um, he came to set. He had seen the short. He he signed on to the film after seeing the short. Uh, he was you know kind of sucked into the to the film. Asked for a script and loved the script. Um, he came in very prepared, and which you know you, we didn't know what you know. I've I've never directed the big show before. I don't know exactly what he's gonna bring, but he came extremely prepared. He was extremely devoted to the to the role. Um, he didn't uh, he wouldn't take a, a, a you know half assed type of. Um, you know, performance. If he felt something wasn't right, he would tell me straight out, can we do it again? I didn't feel this way. How about if I did it this way? So we did communicate. But um, yeah, his performance overall was just, it, it was fantastic because you are right. He isn't supposed to be this overbearing, tough guy. Um, I didn't want to put him in a role that uh, is is very stereotypical where, you know, he's going to beat somebody up. He does have his anger, ish, you know, moments at, you know, towards the end, he gets upset and then, you know, but he's mostly soft-spoken, which was uh, great. And, and yeah, you know, he doesn't get he, he's had plenty of roles and most of them are the bad guy or the tough guy in jail. He's played that plenty of times, a few times now. Um, but I, I will tell you, he's coming out with his show on Netflix and it's a comedy. And I don't remember laughing this much on set 
around any other actor, you know, before. I mean, he actually can make you laugh on the spot. He's a very quick-witted guy. Uh, so I think that show he's got coming out, I think in April, is is gonna gonna do big things for him. Yeah. yeah, I would have to say that you know, just the balance of the performances is you know exceptional. So yeah, got to give it up for that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, no. I mean, I'm I'm excited. Obviously, I'm the producer. <laughs> I have to be excited to a certain extent. Uh, but I think that I was um, waiting how long that it would take into this interview before he brought that up. <laughs> oh, we've been talking about it. Yeah, uh, I know. We've I been know. teasing this, I think, longer than any other project on Screen Heat Miami since we started. But uh, you know, obviously, going back to Jr.'s journey, uh, you know, so obviously he went to Hialeah High, grew up in the city. Uh, at what point did you decide that you wanted to pursue film as a career? Yeah, you see, he's setting me up again. He's looking at me because he knows where it's going. All right, so I was at Miami-Dade. I took about two years of, of all these courses. You know, they, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I, I was taking math and English and all this requirements. Go to his... I spent my life at his house when we were in high school. Uh, his younger brother was in a band with me, uh, so we just always rehearsed at his house. And I came home one day, and he... Oh, home. He said, I call it home. Your house. <laughs> so I, I went to your house one day, and you were filming something. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm going to UM. I'm in film school. I didn't know that existed. I sat there and I said, they have that? You actually study to make movies? And I spent my entire life going to movies. My mom was always at the dollar flick and she'd usually go watch something I couldn't watch and I'd be in my, by myself at eight years old watching uh, Under Siege, for instance, which I shouldn't have been watching at eight, but she didn't know what I was watching. But, um... So, so yeah, he basically turned me on to the fact that there is a film school. I ch- checked out Miami-Dade. They had an entire building dedicated to filming and entertainment. And I immediately swapped over and, and, and went to film school. Yeah. Or I go. met everybody, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then the greatest part is I had already taken all my requirement classes. So for about a year and a half, it was nothing but film schools. Right. I mean, film school classes. And I'm just grabbing cameras and shooting and doing all that. And to be fair, at film school, I invested in their music career by shooting music videos as part of my thesis projects. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. I still got great. some of them. Yeah, yeah. I still yeah. Some. We shot yeah. we shot a few of those music videos, and then all right. So there, but you made some early relationships. You mentioned meeting Owen during right, that time, right. but you also met your cinematographer. Correct, Matt Green. Uh, he was in my first class I ever took, film class. He became my DP almost instantly. He's DP'd every single thing I've done, everything uh, from commercials to corporate videos to uh, my short films, and now this feature. Right. And so after film school, uh, as opposed to doing the L.A. or the New York thing, you decided to stay in South Florida, right? I did. I did. I I, I got swallowed into something called The Girlfriend. And uh, which happens to lots of people. Sure. And I eventually, I eventually got married, and uh, didn't last very long with that specific person. Uh-huh. And um, then just kept going with you know relationships, and got you know into deep, deeper into relationships, and had kids. So yeah, I never moved out. I was always one that that really believed it was all story, and it didn't matter where you were, where you were, you can just make a solid story anywhere, and that would get you somewhere. Right. Um, do I still feel that way now? No, I, I think the relationships you would make in LA by being in a, or New York is is huge. Or Georgia, or Georgia yeah. now, correct? But at the time, it, Georgia wasn't, it wasn't on the map. Yeah, yeah. right. But um, but yeah, the relationships you make and the, the 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 possibilities of being in those places are just massive. If you can do it, I would suggest you do it. If you cannot do it. 
don't go crazy. You still, you can still make it happen. You can still write your film. You can still make plenty. You know, stories are from everywhere. It doesn't right. matter where you're at. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, Marcus was birthed here. Yeah. So, but I, I think that there's pros and cons because there are filmmakers. Mm. There are acting is a different thing. I think it's you know more of a challenge not to be in the place. Right. But Definitely. there are filmmakers that have defined where they have come from. I mean, you look at Georgia. Georgia, of course, has a comprehensive incentive, so that helps mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. But Tyler Perry really did, you know, he opened put it up. his foot yeah. in Georgia. And both his feet are firmly planted. He has the biggest studio in the United States. Right. Whether Georgia had a comprehensive incentive or not, he was doing his thing. Of course, you know, a lot of it filtered through L.A. Yeah. But he started there. He continued. And that's where he lives. Well, and, and, and Robert Rodriguez, another one in Austin, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you can yeah. even look at Jersey with DeVito or, or, know, uh, or Smith. Baltimore. Yeah, yeah exactly. Smith. Yeah. yeah. But um, so being a creator, I think it has a little bit of a different kind of um, spin. Yeah. Than being in other parts you know, there's several segments of the industry. Right. Yeah. And I have to say, you know, you look at what's happened with Miami and the growth. You know, you have uh, Keisha uh, Witherspoon, who just won at the Bernanali in, yeah. in, in, uh, in, uh, in Germany. Germany, in mm-hmm. Germany. Uh, for best short, you have T. Um, T. Yeah. yeah, yeah. T. Read a lot about it. I actually got my ticket to see it. Yeah, yeah T, yeah, which yeah. is going to show at the Miami Film Festival. Yeah. You know, Marcus went everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, the short went everywhere. But you look at films from you know collectives like Borscht. You look at just filmmakers that have now gone out yeah. and done a Third lot of different things and all these yeah. Yeah, local th- film horizon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you look at you know Filmgate. It's 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 crazy. Cause I'll, I'll tell you, two or three years ago, I didn't think there was anybody down here doing this, and and it, and it took me into making Marcus a short and putting it out there before I realized because I'm I'm playing in Indianapolis, I'm playing in L.A. But then when I look at the, I'm like, wait a minute, these guys are from my hometown. I didn't know yeah. they had a film, and then you start seeing them everywhere, and you're playing with other films from Miami all over the country and you realize just how many people are doing it and not just doing it they're doing it well there you know there there are plenty of pockets of people who still have a lot of growth when it comes to it but there are a huge amount of directors and teams basically yeah. who are doing it quite well here yeah i mean the Miami medium film market is more i think international but the audience is people yeah. from here right yeah. now so that's one thing but i mean Miami won an oscar hmm. That's right. Yep. We still have Barry three. Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Terrell Alvin McCraney. They're from right. Liberty City. Yeah. yeah. So that's another example. And we don't talk as often, but last year, Phil Lord as well uh, yep. for the best animated feature for Into the Spider-Verse, Cuban kid from Coconut Grove. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you look at, you know, my organization, Cinevision, which... How many Oscars? No. <laughs> well, on. we do have... Gregory. <laughs> you know, we... Um, so, you know, we have... Uh, we're doing a conversation and masterclass with Gregory Allen Howard. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that is during the Miami Film Festival, Saturday the fourteenth at three o'clock at Silver Spot Cinema. But Greg, I'll be Al- there. Greg yep. Allen Howard, you know, he spends a great deal of his time here, a great deal of his time in in LA. But he has a place here, right? And you know, that's Harriet. Yeah. You know, he mm-hmm. was a producer on Harriet mm-hmm. and also wrote. He wrote it twenty five years ago. Wow. Yeah. So you know, we have people here that are you know doing things, and we have organizations that are doing things. I think at the end of the day, it's about creation. Yeah. You know, and it's content creation. Marcus was created here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's saying a lot. When you start to do the film festival circuit, you know, my company, we have a film that 
is going to be in Slam Dance, their LA mm. Slam Dance at the end of the month. Well. You know, the Duplass brothers are in it, and a lot of people are in it. Then you go, you meet people, you start to connect. Right. Creation happens anywhere. Hmm. So I'm That's the thing. very I mean, happy you know, that Marcus was created here. No, I mean, it's, it, it does happen, and especially because you, you, you're witnessing the elements, you know, you can experience them. So I, I, if I'm in upstate New York, I'm writing a story in upstate New York, you know, about upstate New York, what I'm seeing. You know, the same thing where if I'm in the Caribbean, I'm writing, you know, story about the Caribbean or something, because it's what I'm seeing. It's what I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. So Marcus just happens. Marcus is a little different just because it doesn't set wise. I didn't I didn't get um, much, uh, ex, you know, inspiration based on where I was. It was all inside mentally um, what I was experiencing personally as a, as a person and obviously what other people I know were experiencing. And that's where that story came from. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if, if you're telling me here's Marcus, let's shoot it in Georgia or L.A. Or Miami, I'm like, I can shoot it in Miami and Hialeah without a problem. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. It doesn't need to right. be in L.A. or Georgia yeah. or anywhere else. Yeah, well, it's a great thing about having a universal story that it's not it's not location specific, but I think the location does definitely color it. Yeah. a certain way that enhances the movie-going experience. Yeah. But I do want to talk about the process. Mm-hmm. Where did Marcus come from? Yeah, um, all right, so I'll get deep into this like I normally do. Uh, about two years ago, it was October, I'll give you the same the exact date and time. No, I was, I, was in, I was in the shower, it was late, it was about 2 a.m., and I remember I was going through some- A 2 a.m. shower? Uh, this is every night, man. I've got, <laughs> I've got four kids now. I did have th- I oh, three before. Right, yeah, right, so right. You find your so time. You have to schedule. <laughs> yeah, you find the time, wherever you can, right? So, so I was in the shower, and I remember I, it was a bad month mentally, uh, and I suffered from depression, so I remember I was on a massive down, and, uh, and I was in the shower, and I was thinking all sorts of stuff, and um, right before I did probably the worst thing I could have probably ever done in my life, my daughter yelled out for my wife, uh, which she never gets up at 2 in the morning, at this time at least, at this time in her life, and um, she yelled out, and it kind of stepped me through, it, you know, out of it, I decided to come out and immediately got on the computer and wrote the script, and almost word for word, everything in the short came from what I was thinking of and I wrote it in a way where even the shower the rain and this you know it came out you know I was thinking okay these guys are gonna sit in a car I'm not gonna have a guy in the shower for 10 minutes you know let's put them in a car but it's gonna be raining as I was being rained on by the shower basically that's where that came from but and then um and even the 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 little I'm giving stuff away but the little um ultrasound on the phone is my daughter's ultrasound that oh, same wow, one that great. that snapped me out. Well, you're not really giving it. That, that's a no, I'm not. I'm not. It's I'm a not. cute <laughs> Easter egg. I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a good Easter egg. There's a bunch of Easter eggs that are yeah. personal to me in there. Um, but but yeah. So I, I I wrote it immediately. Gave it to my wife the next morning. She was crying because she knew she's known what I've been going through all this time. Um, and then sent it out to Owen shortly after, and we were in production for the short in about a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, one location doesn't take a whole lot to pre-produce, you know? Um, the hardest part was just finding the other actors. But uh, but then the feature came about because I, I was going to different film festivals. You always get that that question, um, hey, you're going to turn this into a feature. 
I didn't have plans. We were pitching another feature that I had written, Hialeo story, a true Hialeo story. And um, right, that was no English. Yeah, no English. And yeah. we're very close with no English numerous times. And I think something just snapped one time where we got a like a no at some point that I thought we were very close. And I said, yeah, I, right. I can wait for 10 years for the funding to come in for that film, or I can just make this to the same level we made the short, which right. was at no budget, uh, and just at least do something. Let's make a feature. Um, but at these film festivals, I was at Vero Beach. Uh, they have they're sponsored by the Suncoast Mental Health uh, Institute up there, and they saw the film and they were talking to me about it, and they were you know kind of pitching, moving it forward. You know, you know this would be great if you can expand it and bring more awareness. Then I, I went to Indianapolis again, and and, and and Myrtle Beach, and all these places, people were really wanting to see more of it. So I, that's when I decided, you know, I'm going to stretch this thing out. So. I got deep, and it's hard to stretch a 10-minute short that's all in one location. So the thoughts of a two-hour film in one location did cross my mind. It would have been extremely hard, but also genius if I could have pulled it off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it would have been. So so I was trying to get to that genius level, and I'm like, come on, man, I can do this. But yeah, it was... I, I felt there would, would be more story if you actually to see get the big show in that car. Oh yeah, before totally. other people. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how that. <laughs> that would have been an impossible level. <laughs> yeah, clown pretty much. car scenario. Pretty then. much. So uh, so yeah, I mean, I you know ex- expanded it and just got into the each. You know the 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 character Marcus itself is not a hundred percent me and what I'm thinking is feature wise. The short is, but what I ended up doing is I I have about I have four uh, five I think friends on my phone that have killed themselves over the years I have not deleted them and I knew their story I knew their what they were going through I knew who they had reached out to who ignored them I knew the reason why they finally ended up giving up uh, so I kind of took all these stories theirs and my personal one and me created the full feature Marcus out of it um, some of the stories uh, and situations Marcus gets into is one or the other such actual situation they lived through uh, so in all in all it's actually quite real and true everything he goes through uh, just from five or six people's different you know perspectives uh, so but but yeah that's 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 where the the feature basically came from is just you know kind of getting fed up with hey let's wait for no English and right. let's do something our own hey, we right. got a solid project over here so let's just do that yeah and, and obviously to be fair this goes back to our buddy Craig Bernstein which we've talked about a few times on this but who was the agent at UTA uh, you know he was one of the first via the Miami media and film market that we had pitched no English as director producer and he you know to be fair no creative inspiration but he said if you guys are going to do something with no English do something fresh a short together to start to put a buzz out there about your name. Yeah, well, I mean, my last short before I wrote No English was five, six years prior to that. Right. Um, so he he had asked, oh, okay, we're about to send this feature out to for get packaging. some for packaging. They're going to ask what you've done. Right. And I said, I can give you these shorts, but they're so dated. I mean, they're shot on, you know, EX1s. They're shot on, they're not shot on, DSLR wasn't even around. Because I spent my last five years, you know, at that time shooting corporate you know, shooting commercials, reality shows, being hired, given, you know, they give me the camera and I go and run and shoot, right? right. So, so I got to that point where I was like, all right, you got to give me a month. I got to shoot something. Shortly after I developed a short, made the short, send it out, and then the short kind of took its own course. Its own course. Yeah, it kind of yeah. blew up. I didn't expect it. I honestly, I, I sent out to two film festivals. I said, I'm going to spend a thousand dollars on the short. So here, let me, let's see how it goes. And then we won both of them. And I sat there going, wait, do we have something here? Right. Sent out to a few more. We got into those. We won a couple of those. And then it was like, 
all right, just oh, okay. Who's who's got money? <laughs> let's <laughs> let's start throwing at these film festivals. And to be yeah. fair, yeah, we also saw, obviously sent it to the Miami Film Festival as a short as well right. for last year's edition, which was you know, an interesting year that we've talked about as year with so many local films. Last year was the yeah. most yeah. they've ever had. I don't think this year they had as many. Uh, but last year was the thir- thirty was the thirty sixth anniversary and, and thirty six local right. films and yeah. two features and shorts. This year, what they probably around half of that. Maybe. I, I, I'm not sure the exact number, but I know they have more features this year. I believe more features. Last yeah. year was more shorts. You're right. Correct. This year's yeah. more features. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's gonna ebb and flow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like you can't guarantee that every year. It's like you can't yeah. guarantee how many of your clients are gonna get right. nominated for an Oscar. You can't guarantee. And you also many. don't want to accept some just because it's local. You want to make right. sure it's quality. There still right? has to be a yeah. certain level yeah. of quality, especially when you're Miami and you're one of the top. You know, I would say at least one of the top regional tier two festivals yeah. in the world. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. That's yeah. you know really pushing to be a tier one. And certainly for Ibo American films, it is right. a top yeah. tier oh, yeah. festival. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They discovered Amodoar and bring him to the U.S. You know, historically, yeah, Miami is the place to discover the top Ibero American cinema in the world. Yeah, and this is this is sort of an, an aside, but it's it's when you talk about festivals and the connection <laughs> festivals have with filmmakers. That's something else, you know. Yeah. You talk about Amadavar and Miami Film Festival because yeah. they were one of the first yeah. to show Amadavar in um, the U.S. Yeah. In, in the U.S. I had a, a conversation with uh, Peter, you know, who started Slam Dance. Yeah, and he was telling me that this relationship they have with Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. yeah. because his film following um, that yeah following, following that submitted to Sundance didn't get in the Sundance. It got into Slam Dance, right, and right. that was the film that made Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. And Slam Dance was the festival, right, that made Christopher Nolan in terms of bringing him out to the world. Yeah. And now they have that relationship going yeah. on, yeah, back and forth, even until now, yeah, you know. And so that's what's great about having a festival like Miami Film Festival. Tier two moving up to becoming tier one yeah yeah but in terms of you know that eyebrow american slant definitely yeah. and one of the most important film events yeah. in florida for the entire year oh well, for sure well they're, they're growing only in i, I can ex- you know the reason i know they're growing and they're growing very fast is because after the within 24 hours of the announcement i must have gotten i can't even tell you how many emails from sales reps from other festivals asking to see it so that they can bring it into their festivals. I mean, I got, because they were all like tuning into that announcement. They actually all visited the Miami Film Festival website that day mm-hmm. to see what they had, which is huge. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, not other film festivals. I mean, you have to be a top tier festival for people to just be waiting for your announcement yeah. day to find out what you got. Right. right. Yeah. So let's talk about the process of. <laughs> We're going to continue on the educational thread, okay. but, but graduating the feature films. Yeah. You know, so from shorts, graduating the feature films. Yeah. How was that bar? How was that barrier? Um, I, you know, it's just, to me, I took it day by day. You know, it's it's a short film. I mean, we took three days to shoot, you know, the short. Uh, so it's just, you take it, okay, this is uh, short scenes. You know, you take it one scene at a time. And you, you look at each part as, okay, this is just another short, another short, another short. When editing came around, it's completely different story. Because you have everything on that, in that computer, and everything's on the hard drives, and there's, you know, who knows, 14, you know, terabytes of stuff just surrounding you but when it came to filming it <clears throat> and pre-producing it yeah i mean we did we did three days a week we didn't kill everybody uh most of the crew had other jobs side jobs uh matt my cinematographer for instance he does a lot of jib work so he had a lot of jobs booked um so i said okay let's do monday wednesday thursday 
So everybody's got the weekend off. No one's getting burnt out. Everyone's coming in fresh Monday. Then you immediately get a day off. Then you do two straight days. Uh, and then you get a full weekend off again. So so that's how we handled it. Almost like a short film schedule. You know, it wasn't handled. And we only did, we did four weeks or five weeks of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like we took two months to shoot this thing. Um, but yeah, handling it from transitioning from short to feature. I had been doing this, you know, I've been at this since 2002 out of high out of, uh, sorry, uh, college. And, um, I just feel like I've been ready for a while to do this. The only thing stopping me was usually waiting on funds. Uh, and I, when I finally gave up on, Hey, I'm, you know, cause I'll be looking for two, $3 million a piece. I'm not, I haven't done a project where I'm like, Hey, let's get 200,000 in here. You know? So when I finally gave up on saying, okay, this is the last straw on this. Let me just make something that I can control. It's true to me. It's personal to me. And it means something to me to, to finish it. And it's definitely going to be something I am proud of, whether if it's good or bad, I am going to be so proud of this film. And that was important. Just months before I shot this, I was actually um, given the opportunity to direct a film for Bravo or We or Hallmark, some a feature. And I, I you know, I didn't want to, I saw the script and it wasn't very good. Um, you, you can put your spin on it. I know they wouldn't allow that. There's a format. Uh, those, yeah, those, right. those, those networks have, yeah, they, they have yeah, they a do. format they and do. they had to have this specific thing going on. And, and I didn't agree with this and I agree with that. They, they wouldn't let me change any, even locations. Like I was like, this should be like a shack. And they wanted them, but they went ahead and booked the mansion. And I'm like, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So I, right. so yeah, it was, you know, at the end of the day, I said, okay, am I going to have this on my IMDb page? Let's say, and every time I go on IMDb, it's probably gonna be the first thing I see. It's gonna burn a hole in me the rest of my life. So I, I declined on that. I said, you know what? Let me do something I will actually be proud of putting out there, and that's what Marcus ended up being. Right. Yeah. Now, now, to be fair, obviously Jr. has been very well versed in other formats as well. You know, you, you worked in radio for a while, yeah. but also in reality television. Well, yeah. let's talk about these yeah. because I'm a big acolyte. I run a multimedia company, yeah. so we do a lot of different things. But I'm yeah. a big acolyte in just telling stories. Right. Yeah. You know, and if that story is the form of a documentary, or Short film, right? Narrative, animation series, docuseries, yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, podcast. Um, You tell a strong story. (laughs) That's what's going to connect. Yeah, even podcast. Exactly, podcast or write a novel. Right. You tell a strong story. It's going to resonate, connect with people. Uh, Let's talk about the differences and similarities Mm -hmm. of telling these different types of stories and the skill set in terms of working in these different formats. Um. Well, I, I did radio back in 2004 to six or so. I did a Sunday morning uh, radio show on Zeta, which was the old rock station. It's now it's Spanish. It flipped over to Spanish. And my, my, my real name is not, you know, it's JR, obviously. It's what, Jose? Jesus Ramon. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's been dying to get that out there. Yeah, <laughs> finally. So, so because my name was Jesus, they went ahead on the radio rock station and said, hey, we'll give you the Sunday morning show. We'll call it Sunday Mornings with Jesus. <laughs> Which made sense. <laughs> right. It was good marketing. Yeah, it was great marketing. We got a lot of hate mail. There's a lot of people going, "That's blasphemy!" And then losing it's the your money. name. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what our point was. So I did this show on Zeta for for a while, a couple years maybe, and um, and you know it was mostly radio, mostly music. I'll introduce songs and, and stuff like that. So it's telling stories at that point wasn't you know a part of it, you know. But at that time, I was writing some shorts and some stuff on the some stuff on the side. Um, I have written a couple of um, of small children's books, which is weird. 
you know, they haven't been published. I haven't even tried publishing them. They were just ideas I had, and I and I wrote them up. So I think a storyteller just wants to tell a story. Yeah. All in all, like you said, whether if it's on a podcast or if it's in essay form, if it's you know just something you throw up on a website, you if you have a story to tell, you just tell it. And some of them might be really good films. Some of them might be better for just a radio show, and some might just be better better to read. I mean, how many how many uh, novels have you read that turned into a movie and was terrible? Do we blame the director or the screenwriter who adapted it, or do we blame the story? Usually, or do you blame everyone? Or do you blame <laughs> correct, correct? You blame the the production company. Who decided to you know turn it yeah you're right but um yeah it's story it's story to me telling a story is just always uh it's kind of like the same process listen I, I i got into this because i used to watch films and come home and tell my mom the entire film my mom used to be annoyed i don't know how she dealt with it because i, I gotta tell you my kids come to me and they if they're if they're going at it for more than 10 minutes telling me a story i'm like gotta get to that point man i gotta go <laughs> you know but i used to come home and uh, after watching a movie at 15 years old and my mom would be sitting in bed watching tv she'd literally turn off the tv and listen to me for two and a half hours and i'll tell her the entire movie i'd blow i'm telling you, from beginning to end i would tell her cause just because i loved telling the story they were not my stories to tell but i was just at least reiterating it a young you know? siskel and ebert yeah, yeah so <laughs> so that's where it came from i mean honestly um we just, had some massive fights about tarantino back in the days I, i'm not a tarantino fan i mean i'm not I, listen i love i love some of his movies i did enjoy like glorious pastor is phenomenal uh, but that is my favorite movie I also like Pulp Fiction I like Reservoir Dogs um, he didn't like Jackie Brown I got into Jackie we signed in the theater and this guy <laughs> you see that laugh the whole time in the theater oh. yeah but you know what that, great that is the thing about Tarantino's films is you know each one of them is a slice of life it's a genre film. right right yeah, so right. that that's that I think that that's great commentary yeah. you know mm-hmm. either you love it or you're gonna hate right. it right and I mean, he's got nine films. I've loved half of them. So I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. A, I don't I mean, hate it's a decent guy. average. But I, certainly, you know. Jackie Brown was different yeah. than Inglorious Bastards. Was right. different than yeah. you know. Every single film is. different. I mean, he's, he's a brilliant pastiche filmmaker. He references a lot of older movies. So you know, obviously, when when you get into film school and you start to see what inspired those moments, right. like the whole intro to Jackie Brown was The Graduate. Right. Yeah, right. You know, it was the same shot setup. Well, black exploitation. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was part of the character. Yeah. But yeah. the actual that opening shot. Watch the opening of Jackie Brown. Watch the opening of The Graduate. It's the same. Yeah, movie. yeah. I think in, in all of his movies, he kind of blends, you know, a few different things. Yeah. But, you know, when you talk about genre, Jackie Brown was certainly more a black exploitation. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. His yeah, take definitely. on the black exploitation. You know what? What, what I enjoy yeah, of I, I do enjoy his dialogue. Like his dialogue is always yeah. captivating. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Now I don't like you know certain twist it has. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not against the violent endings. He always is. Most of the times, it's really good. You know, sometimes it's not. Sometimes I, but like I said, I, it's it's not that I hate him because guess what? I'm I, I would say I'm a huge Spielberg fan, but I hate more Spielberg movies than I hate Tarantino movies. <laughs> right. Ratio, there's, there's more. Yeah, yeah the ratio yeah. is you know, but I'm still a fan. You know, yeah, but this is a great conversation because we're talking about auteurs right yeah. at, at this point. Gregory Allen Howard, who is uh, our podcast number 22, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if he said this on the podcast or if he, you know, told us this before or after. Right. Now, we didn't shoot a behind the scenes for him. I wish we would have. Mm -hmm. But he did talk about, you know, something that is a a semi-known thing in Hollywood. The writer, directors, there's only a few of them that are really considered 
great writers right. and considered great directors. Right. He's like, yeah, there's only like five or six yeah. of them. And the rest of them are acts. Tarantino. Really- I think he mentioned Woody Allen. Well, like I'll throw Jordan yeah. Peele now. Jordan that. Peele. Yeah. Jordan Peele. Yeah. Sure. But uh, he did. He did. He did Sorry. include Tarantino in in that group. Group because you know he vets his scripts. He sends his scripts mm-hmm. out to the you know trusted people. Gregory uh, Gregory Allen Howard gets his scripts and and reads them. Right. And um. And of course, his direction. But, it, you know, his direction is very specific. His writing is very specific. His stories are very specific. Mm-hmm. So, and I love that. You know, either you love something or you hate it. If it's some, somewhere in yeah. between, you're middling. It's kind of like, ah. yeah. you know, is that, a, you know, that to me is bad. I'm a huge Cronenberg fan. Yeah. Some people hate oh, Cronenberg. David's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because the it's, fly. Just, it's, it's, too, it's, too, <laughs> it's too much for them. Right, right. Polarizing. But yeah, you, you, you know? see, you can bring in Kevin Smith as well because I there's a yeah. lot of Kevin Smith stuff that I like just because the goofiness of it or something about it. But then there's a lot of stuff that you're like, like seriously, again, you right. know what's this? <laughs> okay. I mean, but, I, lo- I love his indie spirit. Like what was correct? It? Yeah. He made it with a bunch of credit cards that he just kind of yeah. maxed out in black and white, and he barely got through it. Clerks yeah. is my favorite film. Brilliant. Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's you know, again, as it depends on I guess my my lifetime. You know, he came out in, when I was in high school. I loved every mall rats. I loved, you know, the, uh, what was the next one? The um, Chainsaw. Well, there's uh, Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy. Um, so I, you love that and as, a, as that kid. But when you grow up, you're kind of like, all right, what else is there? I didn't mind Red State. I thought Red State was okay. It was a different thing. It wasn't his typical, you know, it was totally, you know, you like to see their, you know, these, um, every once in a while, I guess, these directors step out and do something different. Uh, just like Guy Ritchie has done, I guess lately he's done. Although he's back to it with the gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but the gentleman. I did see. I, yeah. I love the gentleman. It, I haven't it seen is it. It's a Guy Ritchie film, but you could feel in that. Yeah, you know, the growth is. Oh, artist. really? Okay. Because I, I love so. Snatch. I mean, Snatch and and, and Lockstock was. That, yeah, his, yeah, I mean, yeah. That and the gentleman feel like a similar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is similar, you know, but I, I think in the gentleman, there's more character development. Sure. There's right. more, you know, so you could feel, you know. Oh, what he has accrued over the years. Yeah, and, and it got to a point the there with like I think he did something called Revolver and something else after that. That I was once it started, I was going Jesus, same thing. Yeah, right, <laughs> it's the exact same thing. But let's talk about this. Who are some of your favorite directors? Um, Nolan's got to be up there, but you know I'm, I'm old school, so I like the Spielbergs and I like the Scorseses. Um, uh, you know, right now lately, maybe uh, an Inuritu it oh, might yeah. be up there. Yeah. Uh, dude, okay, let me backtrack. I should have started one guy, and because I know he's my favorite, only because if my wife was in the room, she'd be laughing, going, "I can't believe you didn't mention that's Del Toro." Uh, Guillermo yeah. del Toro is phenomenal, and and he's another writer director. Mm-hmm. Um, Pan's Labyrinth to me is one of the best of the you know the past couple decades as far as the emotion and where it can you know every, everything about it is and just the uniqueness so solid so solid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's all his films. Uh, you know, the funny thing is the one he won the Oscar for is my least favorite of all his films. Really? The Shape of Water? Oh, yes. The Shape of Water? Yes, it is actually one of my least mm, favorites. It's different, yeah. You know, when you watch uh, uh, Devil's Backbone, I mean, uh, that's just solid. That's his first film. It's just, well, not his first, but his first right. more open, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Guillermo del Toro is probably my favorite right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no. Inuritu's there, and so is, uh, um, uh, what's the guy? Uh, Children of Men guy? Uh, Caron? Caron, Caron, yeah. Alfonso Caron. The big three there. Mexican directors. 
directors. Dude, I mean, they've they won like best directors five straight years. Well, I keep telling you, Jesus yeah, Trabón, yeah. that'll put you right in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> so should I change it to? I said, I think I, so. this is what I said. I said I like to keep the JR, but let's just turn it Spanish. It'll be Jotaire. <laughs> you know? And he's like, nobody will ever call you Jotaire. I'm that's, like, uh, now, nah. but when I make it big, <laughs> that's right. When I make it big, everybody would know. I'll be the only Jotaire in the world. I mean, come on, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he's rolling his eyes, but yeah. I'm not I mean, come on, that's that's there's a niche. A niche you, yeah, you to that. gotta have. There. Now you have to have a personality. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not feeling the whole thing. I like the Jesus Ramon. Oh okay. boy. But uh, okay, so then obviously you're doing the radio thing for a while, and then when did you start to kind of go into the whole idea of reality TV? Because I know you worked on a couple of shows. Yeah, I, le- I left radio in 2006 and immediately got a job on Top Chef. Mm-hmm. Almost immediately, and that was Michelle Massonette, who was wow. one of the producers on this film. Co-producer, yeah. Co-producer, yeah. She uh, she got me my first job. I was a PA, uh, office PA. Uh, so I did a lot of you know learned a lot of the producing side of it, which was great. Yeah. Um, and immediately after that, uh, I got booked on an MTV show called X Effect, uh, which I was the production manager. So I jumped like one PA job into production management, which was awesome. Um, so what, what, what was Top Chef? Top Chef was here in Fountain Blue. Yeah, uh, it's Top Chef Miami. I can't remember the season. Huh. I don't know what season. It must have been what, around 07 or 8. Something like I'm not sure. It was 2008 yeah. or 7, yeah. maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah. So okay. it, was, it was based out of Fountain Blue. We shot at the Ice Palace in downtown Miami. That's where they set up the uh, the studio, the, the whole kitchen and, mm-hmm. and area. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got to drive Tom and 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 Padma. Is that her name? Yeah. Oh, she's yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Whoa, whoa. He's yeah. a foodie. Padma so. likes me. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to drive them around a couple of times, which is kind of cool. Nice. But, but after uh, Top Chef uh, and X Effect, um, I just started spreading into different either films or different uh, reality shows. Uh, so many of them that I can't even remember most of them now. I was mostly, uh, I got into the camera work and I ended up doing some local stuff like uh, Big Poppy Needs a Job, which is David Ortiz. That was, uh, right. that was about Fusion, two years right? ago. Fusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I did the uh, My Knife, My Life is a Telenovela, which was on Wii which is all about the telenovela actresses uh, trying to split and you could come over to the uh, American market. Um, so yeah, as far as reality goes, I hate it. I hate doing it. It's not fun <laughs> at all. Like I remember, I mean, we, we spent, a, you know, decades trying to turn this camera into this little mini DSLR thing, but all they do is just bring it back up and it still weighs 80 pounds. It's like, you know, you put in the batteries, you put on the, 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 the packs and you put on all the wireless uh, devices and you put on, you know, and before you know, Oh, you got an 80 pound camera in the shoulder again. Yeah. So, yeah, right. so that, and, and, and these reality shows are nonstop. They, you know, you shoot nine hours a day with this 80 pound camera on your shoulder. Um, I've known a couple people that have gotten, you know, uh, rotator cuff surgery because of it. And I'm, on my way there I tell you I play softball every Thursday every time I throw that ball I'm going man I gotta get that surgery done. <laughs> right you know I'm not, I'm not even that old but I feel it it's just right. it takes a toll on you mm-hmm. but um, yeah reality show I haven't done one in a while just cause I got into um into Marcus and I, I've been doing some other stuff but I also did a uh, a live taping well live taping that's kind of redundant but it was uh, in Aruba it was an MMA tournament cause they they can't do tournaments in the U.S. They can't televise it. Uh, so the winner ends up fighting three fights in like a three-hour period, which is insane. Jesus, um, that's crazy. So we did that in Aruba. And same team, Matt, you know, my cinematographer was a DP on that. Uh, we were there with Boz Rutten from MMA and uh, uh, UFC. And um, yeah, that, that aired on Fox for a while. Because we, we although we taped it, they ended up rerunning it constantly for a good year and a half or so. Yeah, yeah but I, I can just, I'm going to touch on just a couple of those things. And this is what I was talking about in terms of story. Yeah. Because you think about radio. So young Paul and Ron. Mm-hmm. 
you know, people are tuning in really to hear their stories yeah. because a lot of people grew up with them. You know, the places that they eat, yeah. they talk about their kids. Right. Oh, now you have this another kid. And yeah. that's that tie in. People aren't tuning in to listen to the songs that they're right. playing, you know, per se. Yeah. Those are the big bucks. Cause you the know, DJ Paul and personality yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of comes yeah. through. Yeah. yeah and, I'm actually, um, I know Paul for a while now and, and Toast is on the show now. I'm actually supposed to be going on there Thursday or so mm-hmm. yeah, to, to promote Marcus at the film yeah, festival. Yeah, and, and Toast too. Cause yeah. you know, he started off, I mean, we have our intern Andre over here, you know, and we're going to see him <laughs> grow and his growth, right. but you know, and, 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 you, and you see that growth, but you get tied into that story. Yeah. Same thing, Top Chef, you get tied into those judges. About Pat Padma. Well, yeah, yeah, you get tied into her beauty, of course, you know. <laughs> but you, that's that storytelling part. But you know, unscripted, the same thing. Yeah. You know, yes, unscripted is not as unscripted as people think. Right. right. You know, but you you tied into those characters right. and you're tied into that story. You know. Yeah. And so I'll tell you. I mean, on, on all the shows I've been on, it's been like half day reality and half day all right we're running out of time let's get what we need (laughs) so i you know it'd be a half day of and those the half day of reality is really the struggle because then you're actually waiting for something to happen you're giving them the situation and you're just kind of praying like you give me something good for this and then after about six hours of constantly being on them holding this camera they finally the other producers give up and say okay how about you just say this exactly (laughs) how i say it and then you know that's what we get for the next half of the day you know yeah which is it kills me because it's almost like why don't we just start there story (laughs) why don't we just start (laughs) with that and then and and call our days and you know but it has to be a story you know at at the end of the day and so for me that's you know the time in, and that's how people tie into these things. Yeah. You know, even Duck, Duck Dynasty. You're, oh, yeah. it's their story. Yeah, you know? right. Or you know, the Chop, American Chopper, or right. you know, the whatever uh, tattoo show. Right. X Y Z. The ones that don't do well, they don't make it to the no. next season or the third season or whatever. Well, that, that's, that's when, when I brought you back in when we first got back together. I was for Heads Up, I believe. Right. Yeah, well, you had done that teaser package, and yeah, we were pitching was, that around. We had a reality yeah. show called Heads Up, and Juice uh, is the uh, barber, official barber for the. Marlins. Uh, he's oh, at, he's yeah, at my yeah. Mics, yeah. Uh, so we shot a lot, man. You're talking about hours and hours and hours. I mean, I can probably put together a whole season with how much we have. Mm-hmm. And uh, we came, again, really close with different, I mean, even El Rey. El Rey was Ray. close to it, right. yeah, to picking it up. Yeah, yeah. And um, and we just never got to that. Yeah, what we kept hearing was, okay, this is too close to uh, Miami Ink. Mostly it's a barbershop yeah. show, but everybody's got the ink going. It was Miami Ink in a barbershop. It's, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, I yeah, know. I saw a piece on, on, on his shop. And, yeah. You know, he's very unique, you know. He's always, he's always on something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's pretty incredible. I mean, he he gets. I mean, this guy gets flown out to third world countries by mega baseball players just for haircut. Yeah, they put him first class. They put him in the nicest hotel and say, "Give me a haircut and go back home." And it's like, you know, I get a haircut down the street for fifteen bucks, right? (laughs) That should have been part of the show. Getting on the plane, flying out. I think it was. That was the idea. We're gonna follow the the life of this extraordinary barber. Yeah, that's a tough producer. You know, now you're hundred thousand. Oh yeah, so, you know, yeah. just in producing this short, but um, so I just want to get into now, Marcus. This is the debut yeah. at the Miami Film. The Festival. world premiere. The world premiere is better to say. Hmm. Um, what's next for Marcus, and also what's next for you? Well, next for Marcus, uh, it's funny because I just got asked this yesterday. Um, we have a couple people we have meetings with after the premiere. Uh, to see if they come on board to possibly try to get this going somewhere. Um, we don't. We haven't mapped it out yet. I mean, we. 
This came out of nowhere. Listen, we just finalized the mix and everything on this about a month ago. Like, this is brand new. I mean, you're probably one of 10, maybe 12 people that have seen this yet. Um, I couldn't do the interview without seeing the film. Right, right, right. So, so, I mean, this is very, very (laughs) brand new. Like, you know, so so we haven't mapped out the exact uh, path of it. But, yeah, we eventually want to go to distribution i don't th- i don't think i want to do the festival world again um i love going to festival i love being in front of people i love being being able to open up uh completely in front of an audience during a q a but on the same end I, I just feel like this movie needs more eyeballs just because of the nature of it you know it says it does um allow people to kind of full understand where someone who's dealing with mental illness is coming from I, I think uh, I think the film does a good job, at least there, of, of putting you in that position where, you know, if if you're dealing with mental illness, how to speak about it. If you're dealing, if you're someone who's in a relationship or a family member maybe is dealing with it, you know how to speak to them. I think it does a decent job there. Um, but yeah, the idea would be just get it in front of as many people as possible to not not just for the film success, honestly, as producers, because that's what we want. But, you know, to, to raise awareness, I mean, you know, this uh, this has to, it's, it's like, we're, we're the number two uh, country in the world when it comes to suicide, you know, number one's Russia. Yeah. Uh, and it's very difficult to um, uh, to deal with it, especially when a lot of places, I mean, imagine being a police officer who's dealing with depression, mental illness, coming forward. You're no longer a police officer, I guarantee you. And if you are, you're probably behind a desk. Yeah. You're not going on right. the road. But it's not just police right. officers. You know, you can yeah. go on paramedics or basis. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I tell you what, uh, the, the highest rate of suicides amongst the uh, EMTs. EMTs, because not only are oh, wow. not only are they dealing with uh, mental illness, but they're going out and seeing what they're seeing, right? And and uh, many of them can't deal with it, and they go home even more depressed after a day of work, and they, they end up killing themselves. Yeah, yeah psychology was my second major, <laughs> and I volunteered at the VA hospital downtown, and it was a specific study for chronic illness you know so you know people that are going to die from cancer Mm -hmm. or whatever we were in the AIDS part of the study so once I really got in there and you know had to really interact with the people I loved it but you know at the end of the day you know you feel that emotion and and it's tough it is tough and I think a film like Marcus it deals with different types of mental illness yeah but I think that there is not not even I think I know because I studied psychology mm-hmm. you know there is a tie-in in mm-hmm. terms of these behaviors and the connections that they I mean you talk about the shootings yeah you know there is a lot to do with you know these issues yeah that the shooters have that oftentimes if the conversation had been more out there correct and more open maybe it could have staved off some of these situations it's I think now you know becoming more aware there's more awareness but nowhere near where it needs to be yeah it it is coming out a little bit more there are more TV shows for instance uh, Million Little Things I believe they they tap into that Um, there are more movies and there are more uh, celebrities being vocal about it I mean when you look at Kristen Kristen Bell and even The Rockets you know recently had uh, came out saying something about it Um, Brooke Shields is really known to be you know uh, vocal about it this guy on Saturday Night Live I can't remember his name he's Ariana Grande's boyfriend -boyfriend. Uh, Pete Pete Davidson 
Davidson, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I mean, but he does, right. you know, he does yeah, talk yeah. about yeah. it. He's he being does. bipolar. He talks about his right. medication. You know, yeah. it's he lost there. his father during 9-11, and so he has a history, yeah, and that's you know, a lot of difficult yeah. personal life situation that he's gone through as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who are, you know, they're just afraid to come out, and I think the more you know open up about it the more celebrities that open up about it yeah. you know the more the easier it will be for for the public to do it yeah i mean i, I just said this yesterday as well my mom did not know about my depression till sunday oh yeah, wow. sunday because wow. and i had to break it down to her because she's going to the screening and i again if you're in that q a for the screening i jose doesn't want me to, te- to cry up because I, I i tear up because i speak per you cannot I, I don't hide anything. And no matter what the question is, I will answer it as honest as I can. Yeah. And it usually brings me to tears, and mostly because it is personal to me. Yeah, right. And uh, knowing my mom would be there, uh, I didn't want her finding out about this uh, in front of an f- audience oh, yeah. of 300 people, you know? Right. So I had to bring her in. I literally just had this conversation with her and told her. And, she, of course, the first question was, why didn't you tell me before? And I, oh, it, part of it is being embarrassed. Part of it is not wanting her to think something was wrong with her son, which a lot of people think this is a oh something's wrong with me. It's a stigma. It's not nothing's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. It's just something you have going on that you have to you know figure out how to live with because it's not going to go away. It's going to you know live with it the rest of your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the you know and, and and number three, I didn't just didn't want to worry her. I mean, imagine this has been going yeah. on. She was like, "How long have you known? Eight, eight years, nine years." So that's eight or nine years that every conversation would have ended with, "Are you doing okay mentally? You're okay." Every conversation yeah but that's what's gonna happen now on from now on she's already called me and oh, afterwards yeah. and gone you okay Cuban today? Hialeah, Mom, yeah, you okay today is everything okay do i need to go over there and all that? yeah so yeah. well I, and, and i understand it see i come from uh on, on my mom's side you know they're all well not all of them but a lot of them are you know um in religion so my grandfather he was a bishop yeah he was a bishop of michigan he's over 77 churches jesus and so and i have uncles that are ministers my Stepfather, who's my dad too, you know, minister, and so they deal with a lot of these issues. They have to people sure. talk to them, and that, and this is not just on religion. My mom has a master's in mental health counseling, you know, so she is there front and center. But she's always dealt with people, talking to people, and you know, with my brother and I, you know, it's conversation. Yeah, and so this is tough oftentimes just opening up yeah and 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 just talking about how you really feel not esoterically but how you really feel and oftentimes that's that's enough you know people get to the point where they're at a tipping point Mm -hmm. and that tipping point can be one thing it could take the form of one thing or it can take the form of another right you know it can be internalized tipping point or externalized where you don't you don't want to see that tipping point. Yeah, a lot of people talk about Heath Ledger's performance as a Joker. Mm-hmm. You know, and where that took him. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, Joaquin Phoenix. He, you know, I already thought he was crazy. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but you know, and you, you talk about the, and you know, you talk about these performances, but you know, what form is it going to take? Yeah. And so. Oftentimes, it's just a conversation that needs to be had. Yeah, right. And then that and conversation can take you off the edge. Correct. It, it, that's totally you know accurate. And I'll tell you the um, the other thing is is where you're from, like your heritage. That's another big thing because yeah. when we interviewed in this room, we interviewed Keldrick, one of the actors uh, in the film, and he suffers also. And he was telling me how 
on camera, he was just saying how, you know, where I'm from, you can't speak about this. In the black community. Y- yeah, he, he's like, you cannot, you, there's just no way. You say this yeah. and, you know, they look at you like something is actually Yeah, because, wrong. you know, that's historically. Right. Yeah. You know, so when you go back to, you know, slavery times. Right. right. And you're not going to talk about that. You better Mental get to toughness. work. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you have to be mentally tough. And, of course, that's a cycle. Yeah. And so we talk but about... But, I mean, even look, look, just in the news lately, this little boy, this eight-year-old boy who was, who was killed by his mom, beaten to death by his mom because she thought he was gay. I mean, there's right. just there's certain things that still... And I don't know where they're from. I, I'm not sure what heritage you're at, but... Yeah. I mean, they are, but it's, it's some of these things that you just... So imagine if she's beating him for that. Imagine, you know, if there was something else. You know, yeah. You, just, you, you, you hide it. And so yeah. this is what's great about a film like Marcus, which cinematically, you know, it's it's shot beautifully and the acting is, you know, we already talked about it, you know, is, is, is full on point, but it does open a conversation. Yeah. yeah. A bigger conversation. So and, and that, I think, is one of the already huge and tremendous successes of, of, of oh, the film. Thank you. So, and uh, yeah, speaking of conversation, we've had a pretty solid hour here. <laughs> our friend JR. Oh man! Wow. That mentally went through very <laughs> fast. It sliced like butter. Beautiful. <laughs> right on point. So I think it's time for our signature. I this is the last two time. questions that we ask. Let's uh, sign it. All our guests. It's a two-part question. I'll ask the first one, Jr. If you could go back in time, like Back to the Future, and talk to a nine, ten, fifteen-year-old Jr., what advice would you give him, knowing what you know now? Hmm. Funny, I just saw Back to the Future again. It was on TV yesterday. Marty. Just saw it last night. <laughs> um, advice. Uh, don't let the Cuban hot-headed mach- machismo get the better of you <laughs> and and i gotta I, I i would tell him to let things roll off the sleeve because i get too even now jose knows this i get too emotionally involved with everything as far as you know why is this person not treating me that, or thinking of me why why are they not doing this for me why you know and then any anything they say is slightly offensive <laughs> like anything anybody says is like i could it, depending on my mood i could either take it as an offense or or, or just let it go but that that's key for me because i mean I, I can't even tell you i, I would have no gray you know I, I, i'm 40 but i have gray all over my beard right now and i i wouldn't i wouldn't have any because i wouldn't be i wouldn't just be stressed my wife is the queen of that my wife lets everything go off the shoulder you know just roll off her shoulders off her sleeve she does not let anything affect her and i wish i was like that i wish i wish (laughs) hey but you know it's good that you have it in your couple dynamic yes two people that are two people that that yes Yes. right 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 yeah we don't know i know plenty of those plenty of those couples i know plenty you gotta have the if it's two yangs or two yings yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. So the second part of the question is, uh, what advice would you give to someone who is getting in the industry already in the industry? You've been in the industry for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, connections and not not the connections as far as hey Hollywood connections. I need to make friendships. Uh, always be listen. Three weeks after we shot this feature, I was working for Zandris on his short film. I don't know if you know Zandris Spivey. Mm. Uh, he was making a horror short film, and I worked, and I was a grip. I wasn't an assistant director. I was not, and I just shot, directed a feature that he was a PA on, 
and in turn asked me to come and help him and I literally was setting up C-stands and that's what it's about make mm-hmm. your connections with friends uh, that's going to be your crew and especially if you don't have a lot of money to go hire strangers as crew this is your team and they have to love you as much as you love them and remember that that love is mutual if you mistreat them if you if you're you know thinking you're better than them because you've done this and they've done you're not getting anywhere my this entire film exists because of the friendships and relationships i've had for 18 years we've got free jibs we got free steady steady cams free uh you know um ronins and free all this stuff because of our relationship with these companies and with the people who who have that and and that's a big thing i mean you know they're all coming to the premiere and they you know they're showing their support but i want to at least show my support they you they, know it's just all about connections and friendships hire the marcus crew yeah. <laughs> and this is something because even watching the film you know i saw jason labrata yeah i'm friends with his brother his brother went i went to yeah. um with UM, his brother yeah, yeah. Um, i graduated from miami college oh you did okay yeah. i didn't know that i'm in miami college oh, there he's a halfer he's uh, he got a half mdc yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah they, they put me in the hall of fame in 2014 so oh, that was pretty cool. cool and they just interviewed me yesterday for one of their hall of fame interviews so cool. but um i'm a big believer and big lover of uh, miami Day college right um also um the you you yeah. know but seeing jason yeah. As an actor in your film, because I know he's also an actor, and mm-hmm. uh, I know you guys had a part for me, but I was in uh, yeah. office in Georgia yeah, yeah. When, when, when it happened. Mm-hmm. But seeing him as an actor, and I know that he worked behind the scenes as well. Yeah. You know, seeing that type of connection, mm-hmm. you know, and especially of us here is as vital as anything. Yeah. And then the support, of course, that we all give each other, and then moving forward as. Miami, yeah. South Florida, the nine five four, the five six one, the seven eight six. The, the, the I can't remember. Three oh five. Three oh five. Three oh five. Besides, the I was going to say I can't remember any other area, area codes besides the three oh five. Right, right. You know. Um, that, you know that we all move together yeah. as a as a cohesive well that, that and that's a big thing i mean jason was the ad on this uh on, on the film and uh everybody he again just a few weeks after we shot the feature he went to uh up north a little bit to sebring which is where his, his parents were from yeah and he shot uh, a short with a huge part part of the crew the same crew and some of those guys come from 561 some of those guys come from you know 305 uh i personally me and the dp are in 954 now but we both used to be 305 but uh but yeah just having every i mean even owen owen's 561 maybe even further 772 right. i'm that, 305 via 310 yeah <laughs> 772 up there too the bridge well yeah, he's he, yeah he's uh he's in port st Lucie area yeah. so oh really yeah, yeah he's okay. up there yeah and that, like i said i went to acting yeah. um well, he, he moved up there uh, ten years ago. He was. I mean, for us, up. Miami's really the tri county area. I would yeah. say, yeah, know, so far. Palm Beach, Miami, but even extending down into Monroe. Well, well, so well far, to Owen sense, Owen was he put himself right in the middle because he was getting tons of work in Orlando and tons of work in Miami. Yeah, and, and when sure he lived closer yeah, to Miami, Georgia. it was a pain to get to that Georgia. It's smart. Yeah. It's yeah. actually a good so middle spot for sure. Yeah. 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 So this has been a tremendous interview. Awesome. Thank you. I'm All so right. glad I can finally get on here. I've constantly Jose, hey, when am I going to get on there? He's like, who are you? It's all about timing. I always again? say it's not time it's timing and Screen Heat Miami's for closers <laughs> Big JR closing the deal at the Miami World Film Festival on Saturday March 7th Get your Miami t- World Festival Miami, he's got it all wrong now the Miami Film Festival 
Yeah. It used to be the Miami International. Did you just film create festival. the Miami World Film Festival? I, I might think have. He did. Yeah, I think he did. Okay, we just that's what I meant to say. The, the world premiere of Marcus at the Miami Film Festival, Saturday, March 7th. Tickets are available at MiamiFilmFestival.com. We have two showings, the Little Havana, Little Tower Theater. So go get your tickets and join us on Saturday night. We'll all be there. The big show will be there. Owen will be there. Kevin yeah. will be there. The real big show. Yeah, yeah making it happen. All right, JR. Good work. Thanks, Thanks brother. Thanks, man. We'll be back on the other side. Boom. And we're back in. Man. Dropping some knowledge. Well, you know, I love the journey. What a career. Yeah. I yeah, love yeah. to hear that. I mean, that really does show you that there are many ways to skin a cat. There's no one way to greatness. Greatness is the way. Wow. So philosophical. Trying, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, JR was great. He's a lot of fun. Uh, Going to be exciting to see him around the festival this weekend. So if you guys see uh, JR out there at the Miami Film Festival, if you see, obviously, Kevin, myself, any of the team doing Screen Heat Miami, we'll be out there all week talking shop. And give us a shout. Give us a shout. Take a selfie. Hashtag us. And let's 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 do the thing. I'm excited. <laughs> oh, me too. Uh, so other exciting things coming up in our near future. Talking about trailers. Ah, the Green Knight. Ooh, I loved that teaser. A24 doing it again. Man, this seems like something different from A24. It's a departure. It looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going a little bit metaphysical. Going medieval sci-fi. on your ass. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So this is the one line. The headstrong nephew of King Arthur embarks on a daring quest to confront the eponymous Green Knight. Mm, I like it. I like it, too. You want to know what else I like? What? Dev Patel. Oh, yeah. Dev Patel. I got to give it up. Shout out to Dev. Yeah, Dev. Slumdog millionaire. Mm-hmm. Everyone just knew after that stellar performance, his career was just going to take off. But it didn't. No. It took off the other way. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Until Lion. Yeah. And then right. Lion, huge in the award season, mm-hmm. critical and mm. box office success. Right. Yeah. His career is booming. Yeah. I mean, right after that, he did Hotel Mumbai. Yeah. Right in 2018, the, right. he was in the wedding guest also in 2018. Uh, so yeah, he's been rocking and rolling, and now obviously with this Green Knight situation, centerpiece, centerpiece of that. Uh, yeah, he's he's rocking. Yeah, and I really do love him as an actor. Yeah, so, very talented. A lot of emotional depth. Yeah, for sure. So I'm excited to see that. There's a little teaser. You got to watch the teaser. Got to see it. You got to see that White Walker they sneak in at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had to sneak that in. Got. No. <laughs> got, got. Got, got. You got, got. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was fun. It's awesome. Check out the trailer and check out the movie coming this summer from a- our friends at A24. Uh, and then another little teaser that's making the, the rounds. A teaser and also buzz and talk. And it has all the buzz, Stranger Things, season four. Whoa. Takes, opens up in wintry Russia. Yeah. They're going international. They are going international. And you see Chief Hopper. Mm-hmm. Without so we know he's alive now. Sans hat. Sans the hat. He's bald headed. He's on the train line. Chain gang. I don't think it's a chain gang. No. He is hammering down the railroad tracks. So they have him working. Yeah. So... 
Who knows what that's all about? We don't know what that's all about. Hence teaser. It is. But I did read that Brett Gelman, who plays a conspiracy theorist in season three, mm. has been upped to regular cast member. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's right. So that's saying a lot. Right. I think that there's going to be a big tie in to a lot of his conspiracy theories. Really? So I think that's worth a look back. Oh, yeah. Maybe a lot of what he's talking about is going to come to pass. For fans of the series, you have to go back and get yourself caught up. Catch up on that. Binge and re-binge. He is also one of my favorite characters in one of my favorite shows, Fleabag. Oh, yeah. Fleabag. I started to see that the other day. Fleabag. It's good. It's amazing. It's a cute, sexy little show. It is. It's like Mrs. Maisel without, with a little more pizzazz. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's right. And right. it is cheeky. It's very cheeky. It gets dramatic, too. It does. At the, at the, at the, at the end of season one, right. you know, definitely that last episode is, is pretty dramatic, but it has a lot of layers. Yeah. And our friend Paul Brett was the one that introduced me to Fleabag. Yeah. He mentioned it quite often. He knows about the... Oh, he knows about... He knows the producer. Yeah. Of the show. Yeah, yeah. And when she pitched it to him, I don't think it was a pitch, but when she first talked to him about it before mm-hmm. the show started, right. he said... And you can listen to this. We interviewed him. I think he's our third interview. Yeah. He said he didn't think it was going to work. Right. And he said that it took him until the last episode to really get it. Get hooked. And this is a seasoned Oscar winning producer. Oh, yeah. He's worked on Wolf Hall, obviously the King's Speech, chef locally here. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the man knows who he's talking about. Adrian Wooten, our British film commissioner, also mentioned that show. Fleabag. That's right. Yeah. So, so it's been a big hit. It's won all the awards. Oh, yeah. So certainly you can see Brett Gelman now stepped up season mm-hmm. regular on Stranger Things 4. Whoa. Go back. Look at his character. Listen to what he's saying. I bet that's going to have a lot to do with season four. And follow the evolution of Millie Bobby Brown. Yes. Whilst you're at it. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But there is another connection, and this is a film that I'm excited about, Black Widow. Oh, yeah. David Kenneth Harbour, who plays Chief Hopper, Ah. is in Black Widow. Oh. Yes. Right. He plays the father of Miss Black Widow herself. Really? Scarlet's daddy? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I love it. You know, he's another multi-layered actor. I mean, emotional depth. And he can go from a comedic turn to drama. Right. Zero to 60. Yeah. Right, right. In 2.4 seconds. <sighs> That's diversity. That takes a lot. Yeah. And so just to see the teasers of Black Widow, he's the comic relief, but also he has a dramatic turn, even in the teasers. Right. So I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah. In, no, definitely. In Black Widow. I, I thought it was kind of strange, you know. Mm. She dies in The Last Avengers. Right. Yeah, not to give so any spoilers, you know but that you she's going to. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, but the movie's been it's out. It's been out for a minute, and, a, <laughs> and it's on Disney+. Plus. So uh, all's fair in love and Disney Plus streaming. There you go. Uh, so, so, yeah, obviously, yeah, interesting to see where they take that story, knowing what we know about Endgame. But, you know, it's a movie. Yeah, I mean, the teaser looks extraordinary. Oh, it looks cool, man. And I'm a big Skojo fan. Skojo! <laughs> She's been busy, too. She has. I mean, nominated for Golden Globes, nominated for Oscars. I mean, she really has become... An it girl. Yeah, Hollywood certainly. it girl. AA. AA plus. Yeah. At the top. For sure. Yeah. So, we're going to go to the top of next week's 
episode, we oh, yeah. did mention that oh, Green yeah. Taps was going to be coming up for this one. Right. But we are going to have him for next week. Right. Closer to the premiere right. of his film. The Miami premiere of Mucho Mucho Amor, uh, which will be the closing night of the Miami Film Festival. Yes. And there'll be an after party and tickets for all that are also on sale at MiamiFilmFestival.com. And you can't miss Mucho Mucho Amor. Oh, no. It was purchased by Netflix that's before right. its Sundance premiere. That's right. So that's saying a lot. Yes. They're going to go on a little festival run now. Obviously, important stop in Miami, the homegrown talent, the homegrown town. Yeah. Uh, then they're going right out to South by Southwest. They're doing uh, a couple of other festivals, I believe, and then they'll be dropping it like it's hot on Netflix. Yeah. So his interview is definitely one not to miss. Oh, yeah. He goes through his journey, his ups, his downs, his ups again. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to miss that. And like always, I'd like to thank all of the listeners, new and old. Oh, yes. This has been a journey. Oh, yeah. The festival itself. (laughs) Right. So with that, signing off, Screen Heat Miami. Boom. Kevin Sharpley, JL Martinez. Dolly.